Hey everybody, welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky stuff happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about it. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is the has-watched-so-much-television person, Jonathan Strickland. Ba-ba-ba-ba-bum-bum-bum. I, I don't catch your reference. Okay, that's fine. It was off. It was off key. So, uh, it'll be explained when we get to the what we have been watching section. Ah, uh, okay. Now I get your reference, but we'll explain it later. Uh, great <laughs> listening for all our listeners. Um, yeah, Jonathan spent the week catching up on a lot of geek media. Yep. Um, yep. I did a lot less so, but that's totally okay. We can totally take turns. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so we've got a lot to talk about today, uh, but we we need to start off with a couple of of sad bits of news. Uh, people that we lost, people who were important in the geek sphere, uh, a couple of actors who have recently passed away. Yeah. And the first is Lisa Loring. Uh, you probably know her best as the original Wednesday from the old old Adams Family show from 1964 to 1966. Um, the new Wednesday, if you've been watching the Netflix television show Wednesday, uh, totally um, mirrored some of her dance in one of the episodes off of Lisa Loring's Wednesday dancing in the original series. Uh, she passed away from a stroke. Uh, she was with her family and our thoughts go out to her family. Yes, as as our, our thoughts also go out to the family of Annie Wershing. Uh, she was an actor who was in lots of geeky properties. Uh, so she appeared in uh, The Vampire Diaries. You know, she was in uh, Star Trek Enterprise. For those of you who remember that series, she w had appearances in Supernatural. She was in Charmed. She was in 24, which I know gets a little more into the hardcore action as opposed to uh, geekiness, but she also, it, it definitely had a geek following though. Oh, it did. I mean, if you were like me and you were, I, I was like hooked on 24. It was, I didn't watch a single episode until it was five seasons in. And then I watched one episode of like season five. I think it was season five. Um, I watched one episode. I think they had two episodes back to back. So I, technically uh, my partner and I, we watched the first two episodes and we were like, oh, man, now we have to watch the whole darn thing. Um, and she appeared in that series. Uh, she also served as the voice actor who did the character Tess in the video game version of The Last of Us. Uh, she was di uh, diagnosed with cancer a few years ago, and we're very sad to have heard of her passing and she leaves behind husband and, and and children and uh there's even a gofundme page that was set up to help kind of help with the burdens that family is currently going through so you can look that up if you are interested uh very sad she did great work and seemed from everything i've heard to have been a genuinely good person yeah and and before you go why does a family need gofundme when when if if the person who passed away was a, a television actor, a lot of actors don't make that much money, um, especially depending on where they live uh, and, and how often they get gigs. So, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's easy for us to fall into that trap where we just associate uh, TV or even film actor as being uh, incredibly successful and financially well off. And that's not always the case. Uh, It's the case for a very select, lucky and talented few. But for many, many others, I mean, you know, when we say working actor, often we're talking about people who are working and they're like when they're not on screen, they are hustling to get that next gig because that's how they pay their bills. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, especially with inflation, inflation, I haven't looked at the SAG rates lately. Um, but you know, it, they, they vary depending on what you do, but if you're a part of the union or you're working on a union gig, cause most film and television that hits major networks falls into that, you know, you're, you're looking at making around a thousand dollars a day, uh, maybe over time, if you go over your eight or 10 hours, I don't remember which it is, but, um, and you go a thousand dollars a day. That's a lot. But if you figure you only get one gig, <laughs> like if you've got one line and you're doing one day of a TV show and you only get that like once a month, twice a month, that doesn't pay your bills. I know we've gone through this before, but it's, it's a sticking point. I've had very, um, very not, not to go off on a tangent based on somebody's loss, but I, I think it's, imp- it's important. I had, a, my family has been very supportive of my journey as a, a creator and entertainer and actor, but I've heard so many times you know, these people get overpaid. And yes, there are people who do get overpaid in the entertainment industry and the sports industry, but you have to think about all of the work they put in behind the scenes, off the clock, how often they get work, what their cost of living is, where they are. There was a Cosby actor who ended up working in a grocery store because he (laughs) couldn't pay his bills anymore. So, well, and, and, and also there's like, when you get to a certain level, like you're talking prestige level actor Mm -hmm. where, you know, you are talking about those huge paydays. Then you're starting to have a conversation about how that actor's uh, following, how that actor's own reputation and uh, people's uh, associations with that actor end up playing a part in selling tickets to the film. Right. So then like you get to a level where it is, I mean, I think it's always going to be difficult for you to say, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. deserves $50 million (laughs) for a movie. I mean, true. True. It's hard to get to that point. Like there is like a, a point where there's a, a leap that's too big for me to make, but you could also say, yeah, but if the person is the primary reason why people are going to see the film, then that does, I mean, that has real value to it. Uh, it just gets to a point where like, I, I think it gets ridiculous once you get to a tipping point. However, mm-hmm. for the vast majority of actors out there, they are never going to see that as a reality if they are fortunate yeah. they can make a living on their art yes and and once you've done enough work you can ask for above scale and make more than that but again it's it's a it's a journey um you know i'm glad that they set up a gofundme for annie's family um uh, and i think we while we don't always cover ce- celebrity uh and entertainment and geek deaths these two are are especially uh, poignant right now because of the popularity of Wednesday and last of us in yes, current Yes. Yes. We, we felt like though neither of those properties would have even existed without the work of these women. So yeah. we definitely wanted to acknowledge them and to send our, our best wishes to their families and friends. Yes. Um, and now we're going to go into something a little bit, 
I hope upbeat is the right word for it. I don't know based on our first story, but uh, we're going to go into our 30 seconds and less. Or yep. less. Yeah. Which is really 30, 30 seconds, seconds or more. And less. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, less you're going to get less of a of a of a commitment for us to stick to 30 seconds. <laughs> yes. All uh, right. And, and the first story is, is that we've got a so there's a whole bunch of DC news we're going to get into. But uh, one of the lesser pieces of DC news is that we're getting the Batman part two. And yes, that is the official name of the of the Robert Pattinson Batman sequel, The Batman Part 2. It's coming out in October in October of 2025. Um, uh, we'll get into it a bit more, but this is not going to be our mainstream Batman in the DCU. Um, but enough people liked it that they're they're keeping forward with it. I, th- I think they've got a really cool idea for for that. So, yeah. Uh, next up, I have a little bit. This one I like a lot. I'm going to go. So uh, Disneyland Paris, which I have been to once and really thought was very pretty. Not as much to do there as I figured. But one thing that there is to do now is a nighttime show called Avengers Power the Night. And it's part projection. They project on the side of the Tower of Terror, uh, part pyrotechnics and part drone show where they use drones with lights on them to create different shapes in the sky, including Mjolnir or Mew Mew and Captain America Shield. And it looks awesome. Yeah, the the picture in the article you linked has Mew Mew hitting the Tower of Terror, and it's hilarious. Yeah, there's also uh, another picture that shows the the circle of sparking light that the sorcerers are able to create, like like Doctor Strange. So yeah, interesting stuff. I wish I could see this, but I don't currently have plans to go back to Disneyland Paris anytime soon. Oh, fair point. Uh. All right, my next 30 seconds or less is that there is a roguelite action RPG coming out that I feel like is made specifically for Jonathan. It's called The Knight versus Giant, or not The Knight versus Giant, Knight versus Giant, The Broken Excalibur. Uh, it's about King Arthur trying to restore Camelot after a monster is pulled out of the Holy Grail. It's coming to Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series XS, and Steam. That sounds cool. I uh, I had not heard of this until you put it in our show notes. So uh, it does totally sound like it's right up my alley. I'll tell you this. If you want a roguelike, um, you should and you, you want to get into it and find out what what a good one is all about. Hades. Hades is hear. the. Oh, my gosh. That is such a good game. It's it's the schmexy roguelite because everybody's attractive. Everybody is so hot. Even Hephaestus. <laughs> Uh, everyone is so, so hot in Hades. Um, yeah. <laughs> and not because of the fire. Ayo. <laughs> yeah. That's the, well, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can got a hot grandma in there. Yeah. I said it. Okay. So I'm going on to my next one and here I go. So we're getting another Futurama reboot. Uh, we talked about this before, and now we have a little bit better idea of when we can expect to see it because uh, uh, Lauren Tom, who is the voice actress who does the voice for Amy Wong in the series, was asked about that after she appeared with the other Futurama cast members at Sketchfest, and she said to expect it this summer. We don't really have any more details. We know there's going to be 20 episodes, but that's about it. Yeah, uh, she's she's also going to be in the revival of King of the Hill, which we're getting. Um, I believe she's going to be in it. Yes, she is. 
it's coming to Hulu. Honestly, I just started watching King of the Hill. I had never, I didn't watch it in its heyday. Um, it's surprisingly endearing, and I don't know if it would fit today's sensibilities, but I'm honestly interested to see what they do with the show. Me too. Uh, one of my favorite lines from cartoons ever comes from a King of the Hill episode where they've put Bobby on uh, some medication for ADHD and he's just sitting at the kitchen table staring into nothing. And then he says, there's some milk in the fridge that's about to go bad. And there it goes. I just watched that episode last night. That that (laughs) one made me laugh. So like that was the Bobby line beyond all other Bobby lines that made me laugh so hard. I mean, I, I think I missed the next like five seconds of the show mm-hmm. because I was just like, what a great absurd I, setup. I, yeah. And you know, I'm not a fan of ugly cartoons. I definitely didn't like Beavis and Butthead, which is the creative team behind King, King of the Hill. At least one of them is. Um, and, but this show it's, it's a loving family. Um, it's delightful. And yeah, I just, I'm surprised. I like it so much. Um, it's really made a resurgence uh, it with Gen Z with the, the I don't know that's my purse I don't know you quote that's from King of the Hill if you've heard that mm-hmm. quote but you don't know mm-hmm. what it's from you know but this show is from the 90s and early thousands so I believe yeah yeah all right well here's my next one so you remember everything everywhere all at once well if you turn that upside down maybe then it becomes nobody nothing nowhere uh, this becomes- is actually stop i only have 30 seconds there's a sci-fi comedy premise uh this very high concept premise where you've got one person who's an actual person and the rest of the world is populated by non-people but the non-people start to have people desires and it kind of makes me think of um that ryan reynolds movie what was the one where he was an npc oh uh free guy free guy free guy it reminds me of free guy mixed with the truman show Interesting. Interesting. I am. I'm interested in that. I still need to watch everything everywhere all at once. I meant to do it this past weekend. You know what? It didn't happen. I didn't even say who was in it. I got thrown off. Somebody interrupted me. (laughs) The, the, the people who are going to be in it include Octavia Spencer, Joseph Gordon Levitt and Lucy Liu. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really already intrigued by this and I want to, I first, I want it to be really good. And then I want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will watch it too. I have to. I have to catch up on so much, and I also have to catch up on Schmigadoon before the next season, and that's gonna happen probably next week. Uh, but also, you said if you turn everything everywhere all at once upside down, it would turn into no nobody, nothing, nowhere. But uh, it turns into uh, I'm flipping it and turning it upside down. So Echno Tala. Okay, era- stop it. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Give you, give you an inch, give you an inch, you swim all over me. Uh Oh, ow, Jonathan. Got to go quote little mermaid at me. (laughs) Well, sorry about that. Ariel. Uh, let's, (laughs) let's, let's talk. Let's talk. We're saucy today. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about some of the stuff we saw. Now, now Ariel mentioned she did not have an opportunity to watch as much because she's very, very busy. I had Uh, auditions y'all. Yay. Yeah. You did get you did get at least a little bit into the second episode of The Last of Us you'd mentioned. 
I did. I am really enjoying it. I won't say it's an easy watch, but it's a fun, fun is the wrong word. No, it's easy to watch. It's a hard show, but it's easy to watch. I don't, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll say this, that episode two did not have the same impact on me that episode one. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good episode. I did not feel destroyed by episode two, the way I did with episode one, but that's okay. Cause episode three, just it looked at episode one and said, here, hold my beer. And then episode like, I'm still thinking about episode three and y'all, I watched that Sunday night. Like this is, it's almost a full week after I've seen it. And I've been thinking about it all week long. It was one of my favorite, one of my favorite television episodes I've seen in memory. And also it joins a very short list of television episodes. I don't think I'm ever going to watch again because the first experience was so special that there's no way to relive that. So everybody I know who's, who has seen episode three has said that, uh, which I think is rather fantastic. I, you know, if you're going to put that much budget into a TV show, it better be good. And so many high budget television shows are just okay. Um, I, but it is interesting to me because after you watched the first episode, you said you weren't you weren't sure you would be able to keep up with this episode. And despite the third episode wrecking you, when you told me it did, I said, are you going to be able to keep watching? You're like, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and, and it's I don't want to spoil anything because it, spoiling episode three would be a crime. I think people <laughs> need to I think people need to discover that and truly experience it for the first time by watching it. Don't don't watch a review. Don't read a synopsis. Watch the episode. And it is tragic, but it's also equally beautiful. And that's the difference between episode three and episode one. Episode one is tragic and ugly. Episode three is tragic, but beautiful. And uh, I think that is the thing that that ultimately yes i was sobbing i mean i'm not ashamed to say it i'm a sap i cry at everything i i'm a punk rocker with tattoos who cries at the drop of a hat and i'm okay with that um episode three had me literally like racking sobs and uh i mean i tear up just thinking about right now i told you i've been thinking about it all week and um but but i ultimately at the end of it it's like heartbreak and then feeling like that was the right way for that show to go. And it's so different from the game. The game version is also great. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that the TV show is, is fundamentally better than the way the game did it. It's fundamentally different and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm glad because now maybe I can also convince my partner to watch it with me because he doesn't want to watch it until he's played the video game. And I don't know that he's ever going to play the video game because he got a PS5 and bought Last of Us right around the time that the pandemic really got going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, then it feels like it's a little too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. I saw on TikTok this this uh, person who's who's a, a, fun, a fun guy. Sort of exp- <laughs> is he a fun guy? She is a fungi expert. She, okay. <laughs> uh, she she is fun. She's fun to watch talking about how people are like, could these mushrooms that infect like bugs also infect us and turn us into zombies? She's like, no, 
y'all got to stop hating. <laughs> well, and and like in the in the first episode, they they explain that. Like in the yeah. very first episode, there's that that uh, cold open where they talk about how the cordyceps could not survive in a human host. But then the the hypothesis of, that is put forward is should the earth continue to warm and if the cordyceps were to evolve in order to survive in a warmer world, then potentially you could get to a, a point where they could. And I'm like, that's interesting. I don't I don't think it would happen that quickly, but it is an interesting hypothesis. Our our bodies are so much more complex than any bug body. Um I mean, I've met a few people where I think that uh, might not be true. Exceptions (laughs) aside, it would still be like there would have to be so much evolution and adaptation. Yeah. For for, because these fungi are also simple, simple simple organisms, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. um, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, a few of a few a few folks that I know personally aside, I think most people are more complicated than your typical ant. on top of the on top of Last of Us, and uh, I, I saw I finally saw Violent Night, so I caught up with Ariel. And as we both suspected, uh, I fell somewhere in between Ariel, who did not really like Violent Night, and our friend of the show Shay, who really loved Violent Night. I'm I was kind of like, eh, it was entertaining. I, I didn't think it was the greatest thing, but I I didn't hate it either. So um, and David Harbor was I enjoyed his performance, but I've the more I thought about it, the more I was like, ah, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of notes for this movie, things that I wish had been a little different that I think would have made the movie more enjoyable for me, but then they didn't make it for me. So where do I, where do I come out saying, Hey, do it better. Um, I also saw I'm caught up with Velma. Sorry. I think I might be hate watching it. I don't want to. I don't like the idea of hate watch. I, I I'm watching it because I keep wanting it to be better, and it 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 just. It, I don't it, know who the show is for. It's for the people who wrote the show, Jonathan. The well, I mean, if you if you watch pitch meeting, that's exactly what he says. <laughs> I like it. It's like. It, it, I think I said this last week. It reads as somebody who thinks their jokes are so funny that nobody gets them and they have to immediately explain them all. Except for explaining jokes doesn't work and unless you're a very specific kind of comedian and also the jokes aren't funny. I mean, so, yeah, Mel Brooks is someone I absolutely adore as a filmmaker, but whenever he does the whole joke explaining thing, I despise it. Uh, I also think that he, the the writers are feeling like they're being edgy and uh and i don't want to use the word woke because everyone uses it and a lot of people use it as a derogatory term i feel like they're trying to make a lot of statements and they're trying to have their cake and eat it too that's what i want to say they're trying to both uh uh poke fun at certain uh society thoughts and and practices and then also indulge in them at the same time. And that really irritates me because I'm like, you can't have it both ways. You can't be guilty of the thing that you're criticizing. And just by pointing it out, say, see, it makes it okay when we do it. That doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. But then you also watch some better stuff like Night Court. <laughs> okay. You say better. Um, <laughs> uh, you first say of all, better. 
we wanted to we wanted to mention that Night Court has already been renewed for a second season, which is mm-hmm. like usually when you hear something this early, it's that a show gets canceled, not that a show is going to get another season. Um, but yeah, they're they've only had like what four episodes come out already, and they're already renewed. I I'm honestly surprised. Yeah, me too, because I watched the first one and I'm like, this is not good. Um, like it was. I could see where they were going, but like it's it felt to me like one of those shows where if you stripped the laughter out of the actual episode, it would just feel kind of depressing. Like mm-hmm. like there was not anything there where I felt the laughs were justified. We're going to have a story at the end of this episode where we're going to talk about something that has its own artificial laugh track in it that comes in at inappropriate times and how that is weird. That's kind of how I felt this show was. I was like, why is, why is there laughter at that line? That's not a very funny line at all. But I will say the episodes get better. Like the most recent one, I felt while not being great TV was at least a decent sitcom episode. Although it feels very much like a 90s era sit like it feels like yeah. it, it it feels like the 90s era night court type stuff where it's kind of corny mm-hmm. and uh characters are very very broad and shallow at the same time and yes it's weird to see it is it is it, i mean it just means that like the emotional connection doesn't really happen but it's also light and and uh potato chippy and and fun uh you also tried to watch a, a couple other things this week yeah i tried to watch sick uh which we talked about not that long ago. So uh, I guess this is my way of saying, hey, I got Peacock. Uh, I, <laughs> I I subscribed. I had a deal like it was like 20 bucks for the year. And I'm like, 20 bucks for the year. OK. <laughs> and so I went ahead and signed up um, and I I just started watching stuff and sick was on there. And we had talked about that. That's the, the one that was uh, set in 2020 and April 2020. So right as uh, states were going into to actual lockdowns and stuff. And two young women go to a cabin, uh, not a cabin. It's a freaking enormous lodge, a mansion, uh, that one of the young women, like her family owns. And then they're stalked by a killer. Uh, I watched about probably about a third of it. And it introduced a character that I found so, so irritating. I was like, no, no, I'm not going to watch any more of this. And then I just turned it off and I read the synopsis. <laughs> gotcha. And you also watched a little bit of Poker Face. You know, you bought Peacock, but we're also going to have to watch some Apple stuff real soon. I know. Well, I'm going to have to talk to you offline about that because uh, I went through my email and I didn't actually have the little. I had the email, but not the link that I, I will get it to you. OK, uh, but the um, the Poker Face I like a lot of people are saying they're they're comparing it to say Columbo. I think that's a pretty fair comparison. Uh, I will say that if Natasha Leone shows up in your neighborhood and she tries to make friends with you, you should probably run because that that things don't turn out well for people who get close to her character in this series. But uh, she's very, very entertaining in it. She's playing a, a really interesting character. The gimmick is fun where she she can detect if someone's telling a lie. Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's worth watching. I will say it's a little it's got a little nastier edge than some other mysteries I've seen recently. 
Yeah, and you said episode three had some animal endangerment stuff. I think. Oh no! Outright animal cruelty is in Uh, episode three. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not for uh, me. I'll I'll say it to this way: if you were to check the website, does the dog die in the end? It would say no. So the dog does not die, but for a while, a little worse. Um, Okay. Well, no. For a while, you're led to believe that that the dog did not survive. So. Okay. Uh, Speaking of things that. people are led to believe won't survive <laughs> or will. Uh, I mean, let's that's, talk about... that's, that's apt, honestly. <laughs> let's talk about DC. Yeah. So clearly, you know, we talked a lot toward the end of last year and the beginning of this year about how with uh, Peter Safran and, and James Gunn taking over the, the DC cinematic universe over at Warner brothers discovery, how that was going to be a big change uh, Ariel already alluded to that a little bit with the Batman Two. Batman, those films are now going to be uh, essentially classified as Elseworlds titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elseworlds being this kind of offshoot of DC titles that are not part of the official DC timeline. So Joker uh, will also fall into that. Which is funny that they have to start right out the bat with the exceptions. Right. Like that's crazy. Like the stuff we're getting that we know about a lot (laughs) that's coming out are the exceptions to the rule. I'm like, well, that just shows you how messy DC's approach to film and and TV series already was. Yeah, I I will say, sadly, you know, we, we said this last week, Doom Patrol and Titans don't fall into that. On the one hand, maybe I'll get to play somebody from one of those franchises in the future, but um yeah, it. I guess there's just so much call for the very, very dark, the Batman and the very, very, the dark, the Joker that they had to keep with it. But I'm glad that our mainstream main Batman will not be the same Batman. Yeah, uh, I'm waiting any day to find out who will be Batman. Uh, it's really just kind of a throw of the dart at the dartboard at this point. And I mm-hmm. guess really what they'll do is they'll just walk into one of those award shows, look at all the guys in there and say, okay, raise your hand. If you haven't been Batman yet. I, I, I need to be Batman. I can be Batman. You, I'm Batman. You're okay. All right. Well, we do know, <laughs> we do know several of the planned uh, projects that are to be part of the early phase of this DC, this new DC rollout. One yeah. of which, uh, let's see where you've got the seven episode animated series called creature commandos yes uh, and creature Com- creature commandos is kind of a cool product it's something that you i didn't think we would ever get as part of the dc universe yeah it's classic monster originally was uh, a team of classic monsters assembled to fight nazis which is i guess kind of suicide squad ish yeah. um but they're putting a modern take on it and i think the really cool it's already in production it's written by james gunn and i I think the really cool thing about it is that they're looking for voice actors who can also play those characters once those characters go live action. And I think that is really cool because so often that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, we're also supposed to get a spinoff of the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker called Waller, named after uh, Amanda Waller, the the character played by Viola Davis, who is... Mm-hmm. The, the government official who has no morals whatsoever will do anything to get the job done and has no hesitation in killing her very own soldiers. <laughs> um, 
So, boy, you really want her in charge. Uh, anyway, it's going to have a series of her. I bet it'll be fun and fuzzy and warm and friendly. Listen, if you had said this is what you're getting for DC, I, I probably wouldn't have said that I was excited about watching it. But it is being written by uh, Crystal Henry, who wrote Watchmen, which is one of my favorite HBO shows of all time, even though I didn't like the Watchmen movie. And Jeremy Carver, the creator of Doom Patrol, which is one of my favorite HBO TV series. So while it feels a little darker and more grim than maybe a show that I'd want with that like power team behind it, I bet it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, we also learned a bit more about the Superman film James Gunn has in mind. If you recall, uh, he said he was going to make a Superman movie with a younger Superman in it. It would not be Henry Cavill, who will not be reclaiming the role uh, and that it will somehow be something totally new. And he's further gone on to say that it's not going to be an origin story. Which is interesting with a younger Superman. Yeah, but we're not going to like, he, it, it sounds like he's already going to be established as Superman because otherwise it would be an origin story, right? So yeah. this will be, you know, I don't think they want to retread ground that's been covered so many times. Uh, but it is supposed to be a kind character. And that yeah. he's supposed to be inspiring, which I am happy to hear. I'm still sad Henry Cavill doesn't get a chance to be that one because he wanted it so badly. Um, I, the the few moments he was allowed to be, uh, as James Gunn puts it, the embodiment of truth, justice, the American way, kindness in a world that thinks kindness is old fashioned. The moments he got to do that in the Justice League, he was brilliant. Yeah, I'm sad that we don't get a full movie with that, but yeah. Um, this one's called Superman Legacy. And also we know that the like it's it's a, a film that hasn't been cast. Not even a foot of film has been shot. Not that anyone shoots on film anymore, but but we do know that the release date is July 11th, 2025, at least <laughs> tentatively. So they're probably going to get starting on it soon. Uh, the, the next thing we know about is something that I've been wanting for a while. I've been wanting a Jon Stewart Green Lantern story, but uh, the way that they're doing it. I don't know if I'm on board with yet. I'm sure it'll be good. Much like we used to say, um, if, I'll just write a check to Marvel and just give it to him for, for whatever movie they're coming out with next, which I don't necessarily feel the same way anymore. James Gunn has earned a lot of, of trust in his superhero telling from me. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I've completely lost track of where I was, but basically they're doing <laughs> a green lantern TV series. Um, they're doing a Green Lantern TV series with Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, but they're going to be based on Earth and it's going to be kind of true detective-y, which is scary. It's not what I wanted out of my Jon Stewart Green Lan Lantern, but I, I'm, I'm going to trust James Gunn on this one. Yeah, if the Yellow King shows up in the Lanterns, that's dangerous for them because they don't do so well against the color yellow. Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought of. Sinestro's the Yellow King. Um <laughs> Yeah, then we have The Authority, which, uh, as Cartman reminds us, we must respect. Uh, this is another team of superheroes that are kind of like anti-heroes, um, which, uh, I mean, James Gunn goes on to say, like, superhero stories aren't just about good guys and bad guys, right? Like, you've got mm -hmm. some people in between you could argue batman easily falls into that category right batman is a vigilante and while he has his own code uh he also 
is known for breaking lots of bones, that kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So the authority is like a super, you know, at all costs necessary, you, you get the job done kind of superhero group. And I get that, but I'm starting to pick up on a lot of those. Like I don't, I'm, I don't want DC to turn into what Watchmen was sending up, right? Watchmen, not the series, but the original comic and to some extent the film, but that, yeah, the, no, the, the film, not the TV show. Okay. Um, that like those were about kind of deconstructing the superhero mythos. Right. And to, to kind of say like, this is what heroes would actually be like in a world, as opposed to the way they're portrayed in the comic books. And I don't want DC to just be that. I'm sure it's not going to just be that, but that was something I was wanting to get away from with the previous DC regime. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about the authority, while I'm not familiar with it, my husband has read some of it because I was worried that I was like, that sounds like the boys. It sounds like Watchmen. We've already had enough of that. Um, And he said, it's not that bad. Okay. He said, it's not that bad. Well, I I have not read it, so I will trust him. Every character is just Jack Nicholson from a few good men. That's not good. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Okay. I can't handle that truth. Yeah, that's what Saffron said. They're kind of like Jack Nicholson from that, but I'm sure it's not every character. And that's just kind of. All right. Well, we got a few more. Next up, we got Paradise Lost, um, which is supposed to cover the homeland of Wonder Woman and have like a whole power struggle storyline going on there. They've described it as being kind of games of Thrones esque, uh, which I I'm assuming they're talking about intrigue and not nudity because otherwise there's going to be a lot of women running around naked on that show. I mean, it, it could be both. Well, it's an HBO max series. Yeah, oh no, it's true. It actually, I don't know. If Paradise losses. It probably will be. Well, yeah. Cause that's who owns it. Um, okay. I'm losing my mind a little bit today. Uh, I, honestly, I think this is the one that I'm least excited about because mm. that's not, you know, hope, hopefully we'll we'll start seeing the promotional stuff and my mind will change, but that's not where I, I want my Wonder Woman to be. Yeah, I, I don't even know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to what extent Diana plays uh, a role in paradise lost. I mean, it is supposed to take place. It says it takes place before the events of the wonder woman films, but that's interesting all by itself because that suggests that the wonder woman films exist within that timeline. Right. Unless they just mean this takes place before wonder woman becomes wonder woman. Yeah. Maybe, maybe she's still a child. Maybe she hasn't been created from clay yet. Um, the the next thing we have is the not Robert Pattinson uh, Batman Bold and Beautiful. No, it's the Brave and the Bold. The Brave and the Beautiful. The Brave. Okay, fine. the The beautiful Batman and his wonderful toys. <laughs> uh, so this is this is a comic series that's been around. It's a cartoon series that's been for kids, but it it follows Batman and his son Damian Wayne as Robin. Yeah, and uh, and. Now we're going to get a uh, uh, a movie, a full movie of this. So, um, okay. Like, it's interesting that this is going to be the first appearance of Batman in the official new DCU timeline. 
because it's a Batman who already has a grown son. So. But I, I feel like I don't remember which cartoon series it was. There was one where Batman was old and Damien was the main Batman. Yes. Yes, there was. It's just it makes me. It confuses me because it means there's all these other Batman stories that have already happened within the world of DCU. So the question is, are they ever going to go back and revisit any of those stories, perhaps even using a different Batman? But do you need the Pearl story again? No, not the Pearl. I'm not talking about going to the movies and or opera. I'm talking about (laughs) like if if Batman is old enough to have a fully grown son, then Batman has been Batman for a while, which means Batman has had numerous encounters with lots of different characters and the way that DC films have been in the past, you can't guarantee that that DC villain is still going to be alive at the end of the movie. Okay. So I just want to, I'm like, I don't want to miss out on some cool Batman stories that cannot happen. Once Batman has gotten to the point where he's had a grown son. Maybe that's the reason why they kept else the, the Batman in the else worlds, but I don't think that his son has grown yet. He's going to be Robin, which means he's going to be either a preteen or a teenager, likely. Well, gro- grown enough. He's not like a bebe. No. He's not gonna, it's not going to no. be dressing up a bebe in red but and yellow and then throwing the bebe at people. As as dark as it sounds, Damian Wayne, in the cartoons at least, can be a lot of fun. Um, but he was raised by assassins, so I just have this image of Batman going, no, you cannot kill that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I, like, like I've said, you know, I should never doubt James Gunn. He has done some amazing work. It's just, it's one of those where when I read about that, I was like, really? So you're, you're jumping pretty far into the Batman timeline, but it's the beginning of your DCU timeline, which means you're limiting the number of stories you can tell, unless you're just determined to get rid of the Bruce Wayne Batman, you know, three years down the road and switch him out with Damian Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, we'll see what he does. Um, The other thing that I think you were excited about was a Booster Gold television series. Yeah, because Booster Gold, uh, along with Blue Beetle, were two of my favorite characters from the Justice League International comic series, I want to say. They were they were largely comic relief in that particular uh, title. Like that comic book was very lighthearted and in times extremely silly. And they were two of the silliest characters. So um, I kind of am looking forward to seeing this. I don't think they'll make it quite as goofy as those comics were, but um, it is it is being described as a, uh, a, a story about a loser from the future who yeah. uses who uses technology that is common in his futuristic timeline to kind of achieve the powers of a superhero but he there's nothing special about him. He's just making use of technology that's far beyond our own capability and our present day. Yeah, um, I'm in, I'm interested in the Booster Gold series. I'm interested in the Blue Beetle movie that is still coming out. Um, side note, because I don't think it's in this this article um, and we're going to go through the lot. There are two more things we want to talk about and we're zoom real quick because we got other stuff we need to talk about and we're running out of time. Um, James Gunn watched the Flash movie and said that it's one of the best superhero movies he's ever seen. Although Ezra Miller's uh, place as the Flash is definitely up in the air. Yeah, um, they've been very generous 
when talking about Ezra Miller, talking about giving them the time and space needed in order to seek help and to become a better person. And that's admirable, right? Like I, I can admire people wanting folks to be better, but, but it, it involves a lot of ignoring the actual charges that were placed against Ezra Miller and ignoring the actual particulars like it, it requires you to it requires you to not talk about the specifics because once you start talking about the specifics you realize oh this is indefensible really <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh so we'll see um we're also getting a supergirl movie uh not a surprise and a swamp thing movie the supergirl's going to be dark and gritty which i don't know if i want and swamp thing's going to be horror which i'm completely fine with well i think if you don't want a dark and gritty version of Supergirl. You should go and watch the already in existence Supergirl movie. It is not dark. It's not gritty. It's also not good. It's oh, no, terrible. I've, I've seen it more than once. Uh. It is. I have also seen it more than once. It is terrible, uh, but terrible in a schlocky way that I really enjoy, but it is not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested if you listeners are uh, excited or tentatively nervous about these DC announcements, you should uh, write us and tell us. We'll tell you how at the end of the episode. But for now, we are done with DC and we're going to pop over to Marvel. Yeah, so we got ourselves another Ant-Man movie coming out, that Quantumania movie. This month. And uh, part of the the thing that happens in that film is that you find out that Scott Lang has written a memoir and what is fun is that marvel decided to make that fictional memoir a real thing in our real world that you can really order and really read for yourself yes and then they had real life paul rudd who plays pretend scott lang or real scott lang in a pretend world uh advertise that book it is so meta and bizarre and i absolutely love it Yeah, this is one of those promotional things that I really dig. In fact, that could be a full discussion someday about like interesting, innovative ways to promote a property that are outside your norm. Like it's outside your trailers and your like, you know, talk show press kits and stuff. Yeah, we've talked about it a little in the past with like the ring and stuff. The ring was brilliant. Oh yeah. Yep. No, that's the one I always think about because the, the viral marketing campaign for the ring, it would not work today because no one has a VCR anymore. But what they did back in the ring is that uh, at certain theaters, some production assistants would leave videotapes that look like, you know, there was nothing, no label on them or anything, but just leave videotapes on the windshield of certain cars in the parking lot of a theater. And if you went home and played the tape, it played the video from the ring and then had the little promotional thing at the end about when the ring was coming out and like, what a brilliant viral way to market your film. This is a much higher profile approach. Yes. And also it's not like Marvel needs it. (laughs) No, but I do appreciate it. It's a way to kind of work around some of that uh, Marvel fatigue. Yeah. Um, Uh, Let me ask you this, Ariel, are you fatigued by all the horror movie trailers that make you watch? I was just about to say I was. Uh, This one actually made me jump and scared. I'm not watching this movie, Jonathan. 
the boogeyman. The boogeyman. Yeah, this one's this one's apparently related to a, a work by Stephen King that I'm not familiar with. Um, so you thought that this one looked really scary. See, I this one didn't do much for me, but maybe I need to watch it again. Uh, I, I haven't watched it since I put it on the 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 list. I'm I'm afraid of the dark, Jonathan. Oh, see, I like it pitch black. I like there to be not a sliver. Uh, you know, light. Pitch Black was an okay movie. Uh, okay, not, not, uh, all right. We are not, we, I do not stand Vin Diesel in this house. So um, uh, I, uh, no, I like it. I like it as dark as it gets. Uh, it, I mean, it looks like it, it looks like it could be a perfectly fine horror movie. And maybe it's actually a really good one. The trailer just didn't do much for me. Uh, yeah, it's really, it's going to be a really great, movie for you if you like Stephen King you like scary movies and you liked little Leia from the Obi-Wan series because she's the main character oh is that who that is yep because I haven't I haven't watched Obi-Wan yet that's still on my list that and Andor are still on my list uh yeah I mean you know it's it's I I will never say no to more horror movies Uh, I like I like the horror genre it is actually really hard for me to watch now because my anxiety has gotten to a point where it's hard for me to watch stuff that uh, specifically plays on stress and tension and anxiety. Uh, but when it's really good, I'll put up with it and I really enjoy it. It's just that I have to, I have to be in the right mindset to be able to do it. Yeah, I get it. You know, we've all been through a lot the past few years uh, and some people more than others. And yeah, I had to help. watch like four episodes of night court. Yeah, well, are you going? I would ask you, but I already know the answer because I don't think you watched the first two seasons. Uh, but are you going to watch the third season of Battle Picard Galactica? Uh, that's gonna be a big no, Ghost Rider. Um, <laughs> yeah. So okay, so we got the trailer for Picard season three, and mm-hmm. I mean, so the gang is back together, most of them anyway. Uh, Wesley Crusher is nowhere to be seen, but. Uh, his mom is. Uh, he has been seen in Picard. Oh, has he? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't want to spoil it for you, but yeah, he showed up in a previous season. Oh, okay. Spoilers I... for anybody who hasn't watched it. I'm so sorry. Is he still like traveling around with a traveler guy? Uh, spoilers. Turn this off for like five seconds. If you don't want to hear the answer. Yes. That's what he shows up as at the end of season two. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, um, yeah, it's mostly the gang back together. Like it's a lot of the people from Star Trek, the next generation. And that probably would have really gotten my attention if there hadn't been a Picard season one or season two. But uh, even with this trailer, it it just it doesn't feel like it feels like they're different people. Like it feels like they're different characters. And and you could argue, well, a lot of time has passed. And of course, people change and that there's validity to that. But there's such a breakdown in their the way they handle themselves in the trailer versus the way they handled themselves in the show, because the Federation is a very military kind of of uh, uh, organization, but they're not acting like like disciplined military personnel anymore. And I don't know. I just I feel like I feel like it's almost like people cosplaying as these characters, but they don't understand what actually made the characters tick. And so they have the same name and they look the same as the characters they're playing, but they're not behaving the same way. And that's the most important part for me. 
But that's 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 just my reaction. And I understand there are other people who truly love the seasons of Picard and there's nothing wrong with that. I just I, it just doesn't hit for me. Yeah, I, I've liked parts of both seasons. Um, they weren't completely solid all the way through for me, but um, I do like the characters I, I when they have shown up. Um, in the other two seasons, I have really enjoyed it. And in season two, like that, that uh, Will Wheaton thing, it, it delighted me beyond, beyond comprehension. Um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, at least Worf seems like he's acting kind of Worf-esque. That's so. true. War actually out of all the ones and, and granted, you know, we don't spend a lot of time with each character in the trailer. So I'm, maybe I'm being unfair anyway. But out of all the ones who do appear, Worf, like, I was like, oh my gosh, man, Michael Dorn, you are solid. Like, this yeah. is, the writing is solid for your character, and you are solid in your performance. That was what felt the most true to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I will watch it. I don't have uh, Paramount Plus right now, but I will get it to watch season three. Also, about probably about the time that the uh, Strange New Worlds next season comes out because Carol Kane will be in it and she's awesome. Uh, the next thing we have is a tra- we to have to talk about. Oof, yeah, that's a sentence. The next thing we have to talk about is a trailer for something called The Power. Yeah, so I was not aware of this film at all until I saw this trailer and I just happened to it popped up in my my feed like the recommendations. Cause now that I watch trailers all the time for this show, I start to get alerts when they happen. Um, and it's a story where uh, it's, it's a alternate version of our world where young women are starting to manifest these incredible powers where they're essentially related to electricity. And it's, it's meant to be like an evolutionary thing and it only is affecting young women. And so it's, it's a thing where they they both literally have more power because they have superpowers, essentially, and they metaphorically have more power because it's obviously playing on the fact that young women, at least in our society, frequently find themselves at an imbalance when it comes to power, that there is there are a lot of other f- factors in the world that are leveraged against them. And they have to be very careful with how they navigate life in order to do so without like running into negative consequences. And so like, this is kind of like, Oh, now look at how the turns are tabled because now the young women have the power and yeah, they're, they, yes, they're going to go nuts with that power because they've not ever had it before. And like, talk about a ham fisted metaphor. You know, it's, it's so obvious what they're doing. That doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It might be really, really good, but this is not one of those things where you're like, huh, it's almost like they're trying to say something. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, conceptually I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, the trailer just makes me feel like it's something, something I've kind of seen before. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a lot, like a lot of, um, I, I feel like it's got a lot in common with like, like a lot of superhero, especially more recent superhero stories where it's a character who traditionally has been uh, trodden upon who then gains powers and has to uh, learn the lessons of how to use that power in the right way for them. And um, yeah, it, I think it looks interesting. Like I, I don't mean to, I'm not dismissing this movie. I think the trailer looks 
compelling. Uh, even though I think that the, the messaging is like, it's not subtext. It's just text. Um, I don't really have a problem with that necessarily if it's still done well. I, I, I wish the trailer was compelling to me. It it felt very same old, same old to like Sabrina or Winks. Or... That's fair. You know, I haven't watched Sabrina, but I have a feeling like if I did, I might feel the same way. I mean, I, I can definitely, I can definitely see it being an evolution from things that came much, much, much earlier, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? I can yeah. see it being like a, just as the girls have evolved to have these powers in the, in the film, uh, I could just see that as being the the story being an evolution of girl finding herself in possession of of strange strength and powers from the 90s. So, yeah, the next trailer, however, uh, which I had no idea about and Jonathan put into our show lineup is called The Portable Door. It's a Jim Henson uh creation workshop movie and it looks so good it's also an adaptation of a series of books there's seven books in the portable door series and yeah this one uh it looks really interesting it, like if i had to describe it to someone like how would you how would you describe the portable door i'd say well imagine if you took Dr. Strange and Harry Potter and you put them both in a jar and you shook the jar up and then you poured out what came, what was left. Uh, that's what the portable door would be. Yeah. It, it, for me, it feels like a mix between maybe Hitchhiker's Guide and the Chronicles of Narnia. And there's also, there's an element in it that I'm not sure where you would point to maybe like the King's man or something like that. But there's, there's the element of the secret agency that is doing stuff beneath the awareness of the rest of the world. And there's a little bit of a, a hint that there's something sinister going on with that as well. And so there's that element. You've got not just the magical stuff and the, the wonder, but you've also got this uh, mysterious and perhaps malevolent organization at play as well. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, speaking of Sabrina again, which is not necessarily a show that I recommend. It's super, super dark. Um, Miranda Otto is in the portable door as is Sam Neill, Guy Pierce, and Christoph Waltz, who has gone from playing old timey villains to corporate villains. I want Christoph Waltz to be the bad guy in every movie I watch. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have to be a bad guy either. He can be a good guy. I just, I find his intensity when he's playing a villain is so phenomenal. Like he, he can be terrifying without raising his voice or threatening you in any way. Like I, I think of the beginning of inglorious bastards and it's some of the scariest, most tense film I've ever seen. And it's really just him sitting and being very quiet and calm, but you know that he he is capable of ending your life in a moment. It is. He's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the portable door. I can't wait to see more about it, but not too much. Cause I don't want the movie ruined. Um, I've never, I didn't know it was books. So thanks. I might go read them as well. Excellent. Uh, next up, we now know that uh, Paramount Wabi, well, it's already happened now, but Paramount plus and Showtime combined their streaming services, uh, which not a huge surprise. I mean, we've known for a while, we've been talking about for a year now about how 
how streaming services are struggling because the cost of producing prestige content uh, is sometimes outstripping the revenue you generate by getting subscriptions. So we're starting to see some consolidation. I mean, obviously we already saw that with Warner Brothers and Discovery, and now we're getting that Discovery Max, HBO Max kind of combo Mm -hmm. coming out. Well, Paramount and Showtime is now Paramount Plus with Showtime. That's the name of the the new streaming service. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe like I, I don't necessarily object to this because as we've talked about on this show, I feel there are way too many streaming services already. The fact mm-hmm. that I just finally subscribed to Peacock is part of that. Like the fact that I don't have Hulu anymore is part of that. I still need to do uh, Apple plus. So I got to do that. But yeah. Yeah. So seeing, seeing a couple combined forces doesn't, doesn't necessarily make me upset unless they do the Warner brothers discovery thing where they start taking a hatchet to tons of content and then even removing it from the service. Yeah, they they have cut a few things, which is going to happen with any merger. But uh, Paramount Plus is performing really, really well. Um, obviously, they didn't need my subscription to stay afloat, um, but they'll get it again at some point. Yeah, because um, Picard season three. And yeah, and Strange <laughs> New Worlds and some of the other stuff. Um, our last story of the day is uh for completely free uh you can watch an ai generated seinfeld episode that never ends on twitch yeah uh have you watched any of this ariel i watched like five minutes before i logged on with you did did it almost drive you crazy uh it was very like just just from the standpoint that nothing happened and there were was a lot of like dead space okay so yeah, this this is um it's called Nothing Forever is the name of the series. And it is I've watched a lot of it already because <laughs> I covered <laughs> it. I covered it on tech stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they're using a generative pre-trained transformer to create the dialogue. It's clearly been trained on Seinfeld episodes because the scenes have the structure of a scene from Seinfeld in that they have kind of a setup the way those scenes do, but they don't necessarily progress the way a Seinfeld episode would. I mean, it is about nothing, but often the scenes make very little sense. What makes even less sense are the stand up. <laughs> Did you see any of Larry doing his stand up? I like it was turning to stand up about the time that I had to come talk to you. So okay. no, I, I chose you over AI generated Larry stand up. I mean, that's, that's the sweetest thing I've heard all day, but uh, you're welcome. The stand up, the stand up in it is truly bizarre. It's not funny. Like there's no the, once in a blue moon, you get an actual joke. And I which is crazy. I'm, I'm guessing they had to have lifted the jokes. It can't be a generative joke. I'll give you one of the jokes that is done. Uh, although this, I think, was done in one of the scenes, not in stand up, which was uh, I heard that it's illegal to laugh loudly when you are in Hawaii. If you laugh there, it must be. Aloha. Some people I know would love that joke. I'm one of them, Ariel. I love that joke. But most of the time you don't get jokes at all, which is, you know, you just get weird, nonsensical conversations. One of the ones I saw was uh, it was they changed the names of all the characters. So Jerry is Larry. George is Fred. 
Elaine is Yvonne and Kramer is like Koklov or something like that. Um, <laughs> and so Larry and George are Fred, Larry and Fred are talking and Larry says, uh, did I tell you that I heard the pet store down the street sold a unicorn? <laughs> and Fred's like, do you think that's real? And he says, I don't know. And then Fred says, I wish we had bought the unicorn. Imagine the conversations we could have. And then there was random laugh track. <laughs> Listen, you're laughing at it now. So like, I I can't laugh at the Lo- Aloha Jocko joke. I feel like the AI had to have found that somewhere. In yeah, it had it. to. It could not have, it could not have just generated that because nothing else actually comes across like a joke. It's, it's the, the cool thing is that if you listen to the lines in a scene, they all relate to each other. It's not like they're literally saying random things. Like I found a hammer in the box. The neighbor's cat keeps attacking me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go get lunch now. It's not like that, right? Like it actually connects to each other, which is pretty impressive, but it doesn't, it's not formed in a way to actually work as a comedy. The The humor is in how random and not funny it is. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the random laugh track really ramps that up. And that's what I was talking about with like night court earlier. Like if you stripped the laugh track out of night court, it would be a very different show. Or if you just randomly put in laughs the way it is on nothing forever, it would be very unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I there it's still learning. I'm sure the randomly AI generated episode will get better, but also I don't, I don't want to get to a point where we use AI to create, uh, situational standard comedy series instead of people, because you know, it's still pulling from somewhere. Right. So, well, and, and I don't think, we are going to get to that point. I mean, we've seen a few stunts with people using AI to create things like a, a children's book or whatever, or a, like a little stand-up mini set. But it's it's typically when you go through it, you're like, this lacks. There's a spark that it lacks. And even if you were, I think if you were to even do like a double-blind test, and you gave people the text to read and they weren't told whether or not it came from a machine or a person. I think that nine times out of 10, the computer generated thing would underperform. Uh, If you were, if you were putting up against an actually talented creator, not, not just anybody. I mean, obviously there's a ton of stuff that gets out there that is just not good, shoddy and and poorly done. Uh, But for like someone who's really good at their art, I think they will always outperform the the machines that we see. I agree. Uh, NPR did an article on that recently too, which was pretty interesting. Um, check it out if you guys have interest in listening to more about that. Um, yeah, I might go watch a little bit more of the Seinfeld thing just because I'm morbidly curious, but there's so much good stuff that I want to watch. And I still haven't even watched this week's ep- uh, episode of Dimension 20 Never After. So... Um, it's low on my list. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it. I think that wraps up the, the news we wanted to talk about. This was a, a great conversation. Yeah. Very long. Um, if you guys have thoughts on any of the things we talked about, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to us 
in many forms, but not yet in email. I actually did work on that this week and I'm still trying to figure out a puzzle. Apparently we have an old Gmail email and neither of us can remember the password. So we might be creating a new one. Yeah, but uh, if you want to get in touch with me, here's what you need to do. You go, you get in a vehicle and you just start driving and you drive until you get out into like the countryside where you're going to be going down a road that is just nondescript, nothing on it. It's going to be pitch black. There's going to be a stop sign that you're going to come to, which is weird because there's no intersection. There's no reason for a stop sign to be there. But if you look down and to the right of the stop sign, you will see an old laptop that's not plugged into anything, but the screen's on. If you get out of your car, you walk to that laptop and you whisper into its USB port, I will hear you and I will answer you. Jonathan, are you an agent of the Matrix? You have to tell us if you're an agent of the Matrix. No, I'm I'm Faye. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, but if you actually want to reach us um, in, in in a more practical, doesn't use so much gas method, you can contact us on Twitter. We're LNC underscore podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Discord. We are Large Nerdron Collider. And soon we will have an email and I will tell you what that is at that time. Or if you prefer, you can use an electric vehicle and that will also not use as much gas. Yes, I suppose that is true. Are, are, do you, my question for you, Jonathan, do you have a laptop in every like country location? Oh no, they're going to find themselves on a road that doesn't exist. All right, well, uh, that's all we got for you. Until next time, I'm Ariel Gigglebutts Caston. And I'm Jonathan is watching Strickland. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.